my name's Tim, I'm the vicar, uh, and I work with uh, Lydia and a staff team, PCC leadership. We uh, help to shape the life of God here in the church. Just a, a couple of things while you're finding page 1143 in the Green Bibles, and the, there are copy, um, yeah, editions, uh, what do you call them? Bibles, on the, uh, <laughs> on the tables. That's been a bit of a long day, forgive me, I, I'm, I'm with it, I am here. Um, so 1143 in the Green Bibles, or in Hebrews chapter 10, if you're on a phone or tablet. Uh, just while you're doing that, just to say, to go with the, the grey in between, the, that, that seminar series that Lara talked about, these books on sale, this is what's prompted the discussion, among other things. Uh, they're a bargain basement, five pounds for a fantastic book, and I've got a few of them there. And just to say too, if any of you remember a chap called Pat Allerton, he used to be on the staff here once, um, he's getting licensed in his new church this coming Tuesday, 7.30, St. Peter's, Notting Hill. Uh, so if you Google it, you can find directions. Everyone's welcome. Um, and, and I know he'd love to see lots of sort of friendly faces supporting him as he, he launches into this new adventure. So that's this coming Tuesday um, at St. Peter's, Notting Hill, where Pat starts his new adventure. Here we are in Hebrews chapter 10. Just to remind us, um, Hebrews is a, it's written to a bunch of Hebrew Christians. In other words, they were, they were a whole lot of guys and girls, women who, men and women who had grown up as Jews, uh, God's people, um, worshipping Jews, and uh, they had encountered Jesus Christ and seen the Messiah that they longed for. Here he is. And so they'd converted to Christianity. But they were, because Jews were kind of accepted in Roman times. It was a kind of the established religion, a bit benign, like many people feel the Church of England is, just, you know, harmless, just let it get on. Uh, but this new Christianity was radical and dangerous. And it was the Christians who were getting carted off to be martyred, not, not the Jews. And so these new, brand new Christians, but with a Jewish background, are really tempted to go, whoa, whoa. Uh, Okay, uh, I quite like why don't we just go back to where it was easy, comfy. And the writer of the Hebrews is saying, no, don't, don't do that. You, you, you will have just enough religion to make you totally miserable. Ever experienced that? He says, no, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And uh, here, he's been talking about Jesus to, to, to uh, help the message bed into their ears. He's been talking about Jesus as their high priest. He's been using sort of Jewish temple worship language so that they can kind of resonate. So he's been using sort of priestly language to describe Jesus as our great high priest. And uh, so that's where we're coming in, chapter 10 and verse 19. You'll see a call to persevere in faith. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us, Draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I bet you were thinking, oh no, 
as you, as you came in here, regular visitors, I, I, I don't know what, I'd love to know what you're thinking. But uh, those of you who've been around a little while, as you came in and you saw the labels hanging up and you saw things stuck on pillars and you saw tables with pens and sign-up sheets and your heart sank. You oh no, uh, I know what's coming. Oh, I should have stayed at home and done the ironing. I should have watched the TV. Uh, a million other things. Why did I come on this Sunday of all Sundays? Sign up Sunday. Tim's going to get passionate. He's going to whip up a storm and he's going to get us all to, he's going to lock the door and we can't leave until we sign three different things. Get connected. Get involved. Because it makes sense. Why? Why, why connect? Why get involved? Because it makes the deepest, purest, most real sense of our lives. Lydia, last week, brilliant. Just get it on the podcast, listen to that. How we are made in the likeness and the image of the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God in connection. And, and if we're made in his image, in his likeness, we are made. Our deepest fundamental longing is to connect. To connect internally, to, to understand ourselves as spirit clothed in a soul living in a body that we're to take care of our bodies it's a vital part of who we are we're to pay attention to our soul to listen to our mind our feeling our, our will and to, to to fan into flame that spirit that god has placed in each and every one of us that that connects with his spirit that's why we gather here so that everything that we know of us can connect with everything that we know of our creator and as we as we like bit like sort of spokes on a on a, a, a on a wheel as they go from the the rim the perimeter as they go towards as we connect in with god we connect in with one another so as we get closer to god we we'll connect to what god is doing in each other and we become more fully more truly alive we become truly who we are created to be get connected and as a logical consequence of get connected Get involved, get involved in the things that God is involved in. That's, that's what I want to invite you to consider and commit to today. But the oh no, if we're honest, the oh no is that we're busy. And some of us, many of us maybe are, are tired. <laughs> As a, speaking at the morning service and um, a number of the families have been away all August they've been off on a great family holiday and you look at these parents and they've just had a holiday and they look exhausted <laughs> trying to get kids to school and they're thinking did, did that holiday ever actually happen I'm more tired now than before I went we, we, we're tired we're weary and as Lydia alluded to last week you know there are times when probably the church has generically maybe this church specifically I'm please forgive me if this is the case, but where we've added to the burden. I've heard in my time in ministry uh, more stories than I care to remember of people who say, I, I, just, I just feel burnt out. I've just, I'm just doing so many things. And here I am saying, get involved. And often what what can happen what doesn't help is well-meaning leaders maybe and brothers and sisters can say well don't forget you're, you're doing this for Jesus you're serving Jesus 
And that, I think, is intended to be a motivator. I go, oh, oh, yes, I'd forgotten. <laughs> but actually, does that motivate? No. It just, it just piles on the guilt. I feel more and more exhausted, more and more. I feel worse inside, not better. And shame comes in. It, Here's the key thing that we need to grasp. The, the spirituality, the theology, if you like, behind all that we look to do in terms of activity as a church. It's to recognize that primarily, first, first base, it's not us doing stuff for Jesus. It's not us serving Jesus. It's not us living for Jesus it's him living for us it's him serving us it's that he first got involved with us John puts it like this in his letter this is love not that we first love God but that he loved us and proved it by sending himself as an atoning sacrifice for sin What did Jesus say to his followers, disciples? This is God in human form. You might expect that we'd be rolling out the carpet and uh, getting out the best silver and everything. He's treating Jesus, God in human form. And he says, the Son of Man, it's a nickname for himself, the Son of Man, it's Mark 10, 45. We can have the first reference. Worth noting these ones down. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's Jesus himself. I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. The writer of the Hebrews, just to give a little bit of background on this, it's just a a page back, we've got it on the screen as well, chapter seven, verse 23 to 25. Uh, In leading up to where we are now, the, the passage we just read, he says, now there have been many of those priests He's talking about priests who serve the people of God. There'll be many like Aaron and various others. They all serve, but then since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he's able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Question. What is Jesus doing right now? And the answer is, he's working for us. He's ministering for us. He's, he's at the right hand of God as a priest, as a mediator, an, an intermediate between us and God. Right now, he's interceding for us, praying for us. Oh, Father, will you look after these guys here? Will you inspire these guys here in, in, in Fulham, Parsons Green, as all brothers and sisters around the world? Will you enable them, inspire them? Oh, Father, go on. John 17, no time to go into it now, but read his prayer. That's what he prays. That I would be in these, I can't be everywhere, but these guys can as the church grows. Father, will you be in them through me by your spirit? Again, you see the connection. Connecting us with the triune God. It's not that we work for Jesus. It's not that we get involved for Jesus' sake. Before and unless and until we recognize that he got involved with us. He is working for us. And it's off the basis and the inspiration of that, that by way of response, we reach out to others with Jesus' love. 
That's why the writer of the Hebrews can say with confidence to these guys who are losing heart, these guys who are feeling a bit burnt out, these guys who are feeling weary, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Because it doesn't start with us. It's not us trying harder. It's us tapping into the God who works for us with all his effort, with all his love, with all his inspiration. And as we tap into him, as we connect with him, he enables us and inspires us to get involved with one another and to get involved in our local communities and networks and so on. Let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. It's vital that we get this. Otherwise, I fear that all, all I'll be doing is just building, ramping up the guilt and building up the weariness as we seek as a church to live for Jesus Christ, to be mission-minded followers of Jesus who live for him wherever they are. That's the, that's the missional goal. That's our, our vision, to live like Jesus, to be like Jesus wherever he calls us to be. You see, if, if we think, if, if we basically focus our energy and our attention on our boss or on our leadership team or on our department or our business corporation. If we, if we put on a suit and a tie, whatever the, it is, and we, we think we're doing it for them, or if, we, if, if our focus is the church rotor that we're on, I'm going to be a good Christian. I'm going to turn up on the road. When, when I get the reminder from church, I'll be there. Or if our focus is, is some worthy, good cause in the local community, if that's our focus, I tell you now, you won't sustain it. I won't sustain it. We won't keep it up. And I'll tell you why. Because essentially, left to its own devices, the human heart will, will follow one of two trajectories. Either it'll be given to pride or it'll be given to despair. And at different times, I wager you'll identify one or other or maybe even both of those kind of heart postures when we come out of the slipstream of Jesus, when we think that we are the initiators, when we think it's all down to us. Pride, hey, look, look, at, look at how effective my ministry is. I got involved in this team and it's really improved. Or I've done this and it's really great. Or look how amazing I am. The team really need me. You know, if it wasn't for me, dot, dot, dot pride and you won't sustain it or despair oh I bet if I turn up I'll be the only one like last time and the time before I bet no one notices what I do I slave away I do all this stuff and I don't even get thanked not sure I make any difference not sure anyone really notices me pride despondency despair here's why they don't they don't sustain you they won't sustain you they won't sustain me because both of them are fueled by or based on the approval of others and that won't ultimately satisfy it's really interesting this little story just as an aside Mary and Martha do you know that story Jesus goes to visit the house of the sisters and Martha is busying away, getting everything ready. Of course she is. Jesus has come, probably one or two others as well. There's tea to make and 
hospitality. There's all this stuff to do. And uh, Mary's just sitting at Jesus' feet. And Martha gets hacked off, as siblings are wont to do with one another. <laughs> and so she could, Jesus, tell Mary to help. I, I, and I'm often, as I, you know, I'm, I'm very familiar with that story. I've been a Christian a number of years. I come back to it from time to time. I think I might have even preached on that from time to time. It troubles me because I find it so hard to get my head around what appears to be so, the injustice of it. Martha's doing all the hard work, and Jesus appears to rebuke her and says, Martha, Martha, there's lots of things to do. Chill your bones. Mary has chosen the best thing. Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. Mary is just focusing on Jesus. And as tough as that is to hear, that actually is the priority of the kingdom. It's Jesus. Let me say, and please quote me, I, I am absolutely fine if at the end of this evening, as we, uh, we, just to let you know, we're going to have some drinks and nibbles and that kind of thing. We'll serve them all up. So uh, we're going to have a sort of glorified lock-in uh, here. And um, there are tables and sign-up sheets and all that kind of thing. I am really, really fine if you don't sign up to a single thing. I am honestly really fine with that. But the one thing I'd love you to take away from this evening is please make sure you're connecting to Jesus. Make sure you're getting involved with Jesus. If that is it, and you don't sign up a single thing, praise the Lord. There's no, please don't hear any condemnation, obligation from me or from any of us here. It's Jesus. That's what Jesus said to Mary. That's what Jesus said to Martha, even though there was stuff to do. So how do we sustain activity? How do we sustain service? How is it possible to, to serve Jesus in these ways, this, the Jesus who serves us? And what I want to do um, is to show you a little clip that uh, you can find on YouTube. Uh, if you just punch into the search engine, um, bike drafts truck, uh, then I think you'll, you'll find this. Um, I think so. The technical term in cycling that's called drafting. Uh, and in, in triathlon, you're not allowed to get that close to another cyclist because you're cheating. You're using their slipstream to advantage you. And that cyclist there demonstrated on an autobahn somewhere in Europe. Uh, going, the, the truck was going at, was it 80 or 90 miles an hour? And one, did you see the cyclist? At some, one said he wasn't even pedaling. He's just freewheeling because he's completely slipstreamed the truck. And the truck is just dragging the cyclist along. There's no way you can cycle at 80 or 90 miles an hour on your own. No cyclist can do that. It's not possible. Chris Hoy can't do that. You, you can't cycle at that speed. But if you sit on a bike and sit behind a truck that's going in 80, 80 or 90 miles an hour, 
then as long as you stay close to the truck, you can go at 80, 90 miles an hour as well. Slipstream Jesus. Don't, don't do it in your own strength. You, you won't, you can, what, what, how fast can we cycle? 25, 30 miles an hour maybe for a bit and then we get tired, then we get worn out. We can't sustain that pace for too long. We burn out. But if you get, by the way, don't try that at home. <laughs> but just supposing <laughs> you get yourself behind a truck, then you can go for 80, 90 miles an hour for as long as the truck is. What do we know about Jesus? He is alive today. He was alive yesterday, today, and forever. He is eternally alive. He is, he's more well than he's ever been. He's more powerful than he's ever been. He's more fully human than he's ever been. The, the resurrected Jesus Christ. He is herring down that highway, as it were. And he invites us to slipstream him. And that is how we can go at that pace. It's a 21st century analogy. Jesus has already taught this to his disciples. Can we have the John 15 verse? I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I am the truck and you are the cyclist. <laughs> Slipstream me and you'll go at phenomenal spaces, speeds. If you come out of the slipstream, you're toast. There's no way you can do it. 2 Peter, can we have the next verse? Peter, who followed Jesus, who saw him pre-cross, post-resurrection, Peter, reinstated by Jesus, he gets it. He writes in his second letter, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. His divine power has given us everything we need. He's the truck. He is the vine. So that we may participate in the divine nature. We can go at that pace. We can bear much fruit. Jesus makes it possible. Mary has chosen the best thing. Stay close to Jesus. I know there's stuff to do. There's pots to wash and there's pans to clean. I know there's loads of stuff to do. Stay close to Jesus. And as we slipstream Jesus, all these things shall be added unto you. Jesus enables us to embrace the cost of service. Because it is costly. I, I'm, I'm inviting you, we're inviting you as a church family to consider giving some time or giving some energy or giving expertise or creativity. And that's costly. But because Jesus has borne the ultimate cost of death on a cross, because he's been there, if we slipstream Jesus as he goes through cost, we can face cost. Because three days later, Jesus smashed the power of death and was raised to brand new life. He is living a resurrection life. 
So if we slipstream Jesus, and if what Peter says is right, he has given us all his divine power that we may participate in the divine nature, then as Jesus lives the risen life, we slipstreaming him, we can live the risen life. We can know what it is somehow, weirdly, madly, to do our work and relationships and all the stuff of life and serve his purposes here on earth for the sake of others. As he inspires us, as he strengthens us, as he enables us. We experience that in a, in a small way here. I've been doing a little bit of sort of one-on-one -on -one research uh, in preparation for this. I've been having one or two conversations with you. Some of you are here, you'll know who you are. And I start off by being honest. I'll, I'll be honest, it's a kind of confession time here. Um, it may be that um, we've, we've arranged an evening to worship and pray. We call it presence in the summer, summer nights. We just gather of an evening to worship and pray. And uh, I put it in the diary, you know, we plan it and we think, yeah, that'd be great. Really exciting, looking forward to that. And when the Tuesday comes, around about six o'clock on a Tuesday, and there's some kind of evening thing going on, more often than not, somewhere in my heart, I'm going, oh, Maybe it's been a bit of a busy day. I, I had a sort of to-do list. I've just not got through. I've been sidetracked, distracted. But I just got a six o'clock. Or maybe it's that I'd slightly forgotten it was on. And I thought, oh, great, I've got a free evening. And I look in my dark, oh, no. <laughs> Your chuckling is telling me that I'm not alone in, in that experience. <laughs> and we get to that stage and I think, Okay, I've just got to, I can't, I can't kind of back out. We recently, Joe and I have been hosting a life group, which we've loved. We've really loved doing. But I'll be honest, there have been sort of five o'clock, six o'clock, and I thought, oh, gosh, there's another life group. Oh, I can't back out because we're hosting it. So I, I kind of go, I, I just have to make myself do it. The doorbell goes, hi, come on in. Great to see you. Here's the thing, if that's, that, I want to be honest, there's, there's my confession. Here, this is also true. Come 9.30 or 10 o'clock that night, after a presence, after a life group, whatever it is, 9.30, 10 o'clock, I've never regretted it. Thank you for the murmurs, the mms. <laughs> Neither of you. It's always been worth it. I had to make myself go there, but it's always been worth it. And what that is, Theologians call that God's prevenient grace. It's like when we didn't even ask for it, he still gives us grace. What it means is I wasn't consciously slipstreaming Jesus. I wasn't consciously getting behind the truck to get, derive all his energy and pace so that I can live for him in that moment. I wasn't consciously asking that. I was just thinking, oh, here we go. And even then in his goodness and his grace, he enables me to enjoy it. He enables me to live in it. And I, I got to the end of the evening thinking, oh, what if I'd started that by going... Lord, I can't wait for presents. What if I got behind the truck? It would have been even better instead of me working through the gears, as it were. But God is so good. And I've talked, that when I've had these conversations, I kind of share that. And every single one of you I've talked with, you've, you've said, yeah, true. I, I've often, I, I don't, I sort of think, oh, no, I've got to go to life group. And then we go to life group, and actually, it was always better than I thought it would be. It was always worthwhile. I never regretted it. How much more? If, if Jesus promises, you stay close to me, 
my, the sap of my vine will work through your branches. You will bear fruit. That's why it's so good to get involved. To consciously, to intentionally get involved, to slipstream Jesus. And to access his power, access his spirit, live his life. It grows us as we, as we commit to express service, to express Jesus in some way, shape, or form. It, it grows us. I was really struck that um, uh, a little while ago, I think, I can't remember what the occasion was, but we wrote, we got one of those great big cards and got everyone to sign it for um, Alan Bannister. Uh, do, do you know who I mean by Alan? He, again, when you come to the All Together, uh, Alan is, uh, he's just a hero of faith. He's been in this church for, I don't know, 20, 30 years. And he just comes, every Sunday he comes and he welcomes at the 10.30. And he is the reason why so many people at the 10.30 go, oh, what a, what a welcoming church. It's because they've encountered Alan. He's, he's kind of spirit-filled, sensitive, and just aware. He tunes in to whether you're a guest or a visitor, whether you want to be here or you're through. And he just, he can meet you. He, he just gives a great first impression. But it isn't easy. I don't think Alan would mind me saying that his, his wife is not a churchgoer. It, it's, it's not always easy for him to get himself here. Uh, as we all have in our relationships or things they're working out Alan's life isn't it he was uh, made redundant in his late 50s he wasn't able to find uh, kind of meaningful work after that it's, it's not easy Alan's life is not easy he, uh, he wouldn't mind me saying that I don't think uh, yeah, I hope not <laughs> <laughs> but he's there every Sunday Shining Jesus. What, what struck me was, we, and so I think it was like, I think it was maybe his 60th birthday or, or something, and we got a whole lot of people signed the card. And I, uh, as I was putting the card in the envelope, I just sort of, you know, had a little sneaky read of some of these comments. And the comments that people made, they would, they would sort of, Alan, you are, they were talking about his character. You just shined, you're so joyful, you, you're so committed, you're so faithful. They were basically describing the fruit of the Spirit in someone's life. Here's the thing. When Alan got the card, I, talk, I talked to him about it. I said, Alan, amazing card, what great comments. And he just, he sort of shook his head and he said, I, I just, it's almost, he said, I, it's like I don't really recognize this person. He doesn't see it like that. He's just, all he was doing was slipstreaming Jesus. He said, I'm just going to do what Jesus has called me to do and inspired me to do. That's all I'm going to do. He's not trying to be joyful or trying to grow character or trying to be friendly. That's what Jesus does in him as he just follows Jesus. The call is, is for us here, simply, Mary-like, follow Jesus. Stay close to Jesus. Did you notice the cyclist, at some stage, he wasn't even pedaling. He's just, he's completely freewheeling at 90 miles an hour. Jesus will enable that in you. You, you just give yourself like Alan, you give yourself to Jesus and he will grow you in a way that no one else or nothing else can. We will mature. We will, we will know the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the fruit of the Spirit, self-control. It will become a delight. These will be good things, not burdens. Come to me, Jesus says. You who are weary and heavy laden, come to me. Remember Matthew 11, come to me. You feel tired, you feel burdened. Come to me, he says. And I will give you rest. My burden, there's still stuff to do. My burden is light. My yoke, 
It's not a yoke to wear, but my yoke is easy. Do you notice? For those who are weary and burdened, Jesus says, come to me. He doesn't say, are you weary, burdened? Have a break. Yeah, you've been busy. Chill out. Take a back seat. Have a sabbatical. Ah. I mean, I'm not saying those things aren't bad in and of themselves, but Jesus says the antidote to weariness, to being burdened, is come to me. If my legs are really tired from cycling, I just slipstream a truck and I can just sit on a bike. I don't have to pedal at all. I can go at 90 miles an hour. Come to me, Jesus said, even if you're tired, even if you're weary. In fact, maybe that's the balm. Maybe that's the healing. Is that as we come to him and serve in some way, we find him flowing through us. Let's not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let's spur one another on to love and good deeds. Amen. By way of response, 